Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussions, news, and interviews presenting the film scene with Ileana Douglas. Ileana is an actress, writer, author, and film historian with a need to discuss movies that borders on obsession. You'll learn the history of movies one great story at a time. The film scene is the deep cuts of movie podcasts featuring movies we love by the people who made them. And now, Ileana Douglas. Why, hello everyone. Welcome to the film scene. I am Ileana Douglas. I'm here with Jeff Graham. Hello, Jeff. I'm not looking as festive as you uh, are, Ileana. Geez, I, I dropped the ball here. I did the full this is from the 80s. Yes. This was my grandmother's and then my mom's and now it's mine. It's, it's my great. If favorite. I may, it's very good with your eyes. It really what brings out the color. It brings I'd out the, the green. Yes. This is my Christmas, uh, you know, my go-to, and you and uh, and the leggings. Yes, I've got the velvety leggings and the boots. On. I gotta say, and it's the boots, a, right? yes. Show off my my dancing skills. It's very impressive. Yes, for our podcast listeners, you'll have to check out the YouTube video to see what may be the most festive outfit of the year. It's great. <laughs> the uh, Are you into ugly? What do you wear on Christmas morning? Oh man, I'm like such. I'd like to think of myself as like, you know, kind of intellectual. I take myself seriously. But around the holidays, I am like onesie, wake up. <laughs> if it's not a onesie, it's Christmas PJs. I love yeah. just like enter. I'm so earnest about the holidays. Like I love like on even on Thanksgiving, I wake up and I watch the Macy's Day Parade like right when it starts. Yeah, I'm just it's you can't bring the Ohio out of me. Like, I'm just like a casserole-eating, like, holiday lover, you know? I think that's great. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I've am i got that Connecticut-New England thing, yeah. so I, too, have that. Got to go out in the snow oh, for yeah. a little bit. But uh, we, uh, New Englanders pride themselves on shoveling their own driveway. Oh, absolutely. Like a, is that a big thing in Ohio? Totally. I mean, my wife and I talk about this. We're both from the Midwest. She's from Indiana. I'm from uh-huh. Ohio. And we talk about there's just no character building chore element to living in Los Angeles. You're right. So if we start a family here, how are we going to discipline yes. our kids when the weather's always perfect? You're there's right. There's no leaves. Yes. And in fact, that's a big couple bonding thing. Totally. Is g- getting out of the snow. Yep. Raking Somebody's the leaves. Somebody's got to drive where you push the car. Oh my out. gosh. Scraping the car. Yeah, there's not enough inconveniences in this city, which is a very privileged sentence to say, but (laughs) how do you build character in your kiddos? You're right. That's, uh, the, uh, well, you know, in the, uh, when I was a a kid, we were, we didn't have a lot of money. And, and so my, we couldn't afford, uh, an antenna for the house. So we only got one channel, which was CBS. And then my mom, like, thought she'd surprise us one christmas so she got she bought she broke down she brought the bought the 20 dollar antenna but she didn't buy the rotor you know which was the old in the old days the rotor was the thing on the t- television that uh, you know moved the antenna so oh, you right. could get the different i know see you're so young you don't even remember what a rotor is you know what i feel like early early stages of my life i remember it was so it was this gigantic box and it was you turned it it went <laughs> and it turned the antenna but, nice. but my mom didn't buy the that and so we had a ladder uh we had an old colonial house and so we had a ladder on the side of the house and i kid you not one of my brothers would lean out the window and i'd scramble up to the roof and i would turn it you know so we could watch <laughs> mork and mindy or something i love it and then scramble back down and you cuz you'd be watching it and invariably the wind would blow and it'd be <laughs> like you know you'd lose the channel and be back to cbs so i only sporadically saw other channels i mainly saw cbs but nice. it made me appreciate christmas something like that all right Let's talk about movies. Uh, 
I'm very excited. I, I saw um, Uncut Gems last night. I was at the premiere. I am dying to see this movie. It, it sounds like Take a Xanax Before You Go. Is yes. The, uh... Here's my tip. I went with my friend uh, Wayne Fetterman, who, if anybody wants to check, is a, he's, a, he's a dead ringer for Daniel Goldman, the, mm. the, the Dems uh, prosecutor. Look at Adam... Oh my God, I'm sailing. So, but anyway, you need it, it's really a guy movie. Yeah. Uh, but I went, I really enjoyed it. A packed house, great way to see it. And, uh, but I just kept grabbing Wayne and like, oh God, please, yeah. like, please make it stop. Why is he doing these things? So it has, it, it, I spoke to the filmmakers afterwards. Uh, and I said, I definitely sensed a kind of a Michael Mann thief vibe, mm. the James Conn movie, also the Dustin Hoffman movie called Straight Time. So it's got that vibe of the 70s, just an incredible performance, uh, very disturbing, very gritty, uh, but very, very interesting. And you know, one of the main things I liked about it, aside from it being a very good, compelling movie, it was a world I knew nothing about. Mm. And I always, you know, sometimes like, oh, okay, let's give me another movie about this. But uh, I knew, no, I, I, I was riveted because I don't know anything about the Diamond District in, yeah. in New York City. It's like black market jewelry, right? Is the world we're in for this film? Yes. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And jewels, and it's uh, it's very disturbing. Yeah, and these filmmakers the are so. Great. These are the Softy brothers, who in some ways kind of feel like our generation's Coens, maybe. Uh huh. Different types of movies, but I think in the same way that the Coens do um, genre movies with like an elegance, I think yeah. the Softies do the same thing. Where you know they're kind of putting together straight ahead thrillers, but with these kind of weird, quirky elements that sort of elevates the genre. Well, you know what I love about it is a lot is done with the lighting and with the shots mm. without the camera going insane. You know, I could actually follow the story. There's some fantastic intercutting between scenes, which really adds to some of the tension. Uh, there are a couple sort of cinematic surprises, a couple laughs in there, surprise, well needed. But uh, I thought the look of it uh, was really good. But I you know, I just didn't know what was going to happen in the next minute. And so I guess that for me, it kept me on the edge of the seat. And I was up all night thinking about it. So um, you can't get Adam Sandler out of your head after after watching the movie. So um, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's just an interesting film. So it's interesting, I, too. I think there's like celebrity cameos in there, right? Like isn't Kevin Garnett like a major player? How does he do? Excellent. Really? He There's a lot job. of non-actors. That was the question I asked them, too. There's a couple people who are so good in the film, and that's why I leaned over. I said, if that person's an actor... You know, I'm, I would be shocked. And and so sure enough, there's a lot of people in the film that are not actors, but uh, do a great, you know, do a really great job. And again, this, this goes back to the, I think the editing and the directing, they did tell me they, all, they went through a number of cuts of the film. Oh, wow. It took them 10 years to make the movie. And they so they went through a lot of cuts um, and to get what they, you know, what the final outcome was. A uh, great movie to see in a theater, though, I would say, as opposed to seeing it. Well, um, while you talk about cuts, if they ever want to do like their own director's cut, they can call it Uncut Gems, the Uncut Gem version, <laughs> and release it for all of us to enjoy. Well, I also have to throw credit, because he, I said, 
I said, the movie started in the music. I said, oh, I got a little bit of Tangerine Dream and, you know, Michael Mann, the thief. And he goes, man's the man. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Same wavelength. (laughs) So that, and then you saw Marriage Story. I finally saw it. Okay, last week I was ranting that, uh, you know, movies were too long, Mm -hmm. which I still, I feel that they're too, a little bit too long. Uh, I saw a movie. Honey Boy, yes, ninety six minutes, perfect, really good movie. I thought yeah. it, I thought it was very interesting, uh, very compelling. Stayed with me. Uh, another one I recommend. You know, so ninety six minutes, fine for a film. So, what did you think of Marriage Story? I thought Marriage Story. I'm going to be honest, was pretty perfect. I think it might be one. I'm not going to call it a masterpiece. I'm going to yeah. avoid the M word from our discussion from last year. But I loved it. I uh, Ryan was mentioning before we went on air that I'm writing a little something for our Popcorn Talk website. It's a little op ed about my take on the movie. Okay. Despite the fact that it is like a courtroom divorce film, I found it to be a very romantic movie in a very kind of strange way. I think it's one of the most romantic movies I saw this year. And I think it has to do with the fact that when you see the couple... You know, they're they're separating. It's a divorce movie. But when you see them interact before lawyers and courts get involved, there's an affection and an intimacy in their relationship. And it's not until there's litigation that it really drives them apart. Right. I almost feel like the movie's talking about the industry of divorce. I heard a critic talking about the idea of, like, the divorce industrial complex. Yes. How it's designed to make people money, but throughout that process, destroy relationships. I, I think that's all valid. I mean, I would also say that didn't Kramer versus Kramer handle that same subject? It did. You but know? the thing with Kramer versus Kramer, and I do love that movie. Howard Duff. Yeah, I love the so performances, good. but I feel like you don't get to see the intimacy or affection of the relationship as much. I think what I like, and I thought was generous that Bombach gave us in this movie, was we get a couple scenes, like this scene where they're closing the security gate, when you can really see the aching love that these two still have for each other kind of buried beneath all of the pain. That's I, how I read it. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I'm going to mention another film that is one of my favorite films, which is called Shoot the Moon. Mm. And Shoot the Moon is a, is a film that I really loved and I felt like that was my childhood. Wow. You know, there were more kids in, in that film. I think there were three kids. Mm. And that movie took it a step further in that not only were they getting a divorce, but, you know, she was embarking on a new relationship. And that is a very messy and at times violent film. I can't see it. And that was like the ripping apart of a relationship. This couple, although, again, I, I thought the acting was great. You know, I enjoyed the film. I just thought, you know, they're barely, <laughs> they barely. to me, it was more about a couple that got married and didn't really know each other. Mm. You know, I mean, they were barely married before they were getting a divorce. How yeah. old is the kid? That's a really interesting take, too. And they kind of refused to let them see each other. You know, I think that's a really interesting point is maybe that's what the movie is saying is by the time they finally let themselves see each other, it was too late. Yeah. You know? And the other thing that just bothered me is just a little critique was that uh, it felt awfully convenient that he was a very rich, successful person who could fly 
you know, right. to California, and she very conveniently was a successful actress. It's true. So I didn't really see what the problem was. You know, I was like, I wasn't really fine. like my childhood where, you know, people are going to court and fighting over child support. And, yeah, you the, know, the, um, I feel like the device of a MacArthur Genius Grant, I've seen that in movies before. Oh, where, so many times. I know. If you want to make sure Cameron someone's Jenkins smart. Cameron yeah. used it in The Savages. The, the Savages, yeah, which yeah. I... Uh, I will say Private Life last year. It was a movie not enough people talked about. Did you like Private Life? Yes. That yeah. might be my favorite movie of last year, and I feel like it got no love. I love Tamara Jenkins as a director, but so often we see the MacArthur Genius Grant just show up as a way to tell us that someone is smart. You know, It's yeah. a funny trope that, that I'm seeing more so and more. That is so interesting. You're right. Yeah. Which well, happens. if you're going to call out movies from last year, one of my f- absolute favorite movies from last year, because we're going to get into women directors, Land of Steady Habits. Oh, I didn't see it, but I heard it was beautiful. She, Nicole uh, Holtzetter, is mm-hmm. one of my absolute favorite directors. I, I think she's a genius. Yeah. I absolutely, I love anything she's ever done. Uh, I, I just think she's a terrific filmmaker. And that film, for me, was a great, uh, really, really interesting film. Again, about a marriage. Yeah. About the breakdown. Well, I can't wait to see it. Of a marriage, but that that I related to more. Um, yeah, I just didn't... I mean, again, I'm going to switch over to the Honey, you know, Honey Boy. I just... Uncut gems. I personally like movies where the people are a little bit more complex. Mm. Movies about rich people and their problems, I chafe just a little bit. Hmm. I don't know why that is. I find it a little bit harder to get into the story. That's fair. I don't know if that's my own upbringing or, you know... um, I like people that are a little bit more complex. Yeah. You know, that are in a predicament... And and how did they get in this predicament? And uh, I'm, how am I rooting for them to get out of it? You mm. know, um, this in this particular case, like the fact that a marriage failed after four years because they didn't really know each other when they got involved. Right. The amount of screaming that was, you know, <laughs> that was screaming at each other, it verged for me on more like acting class what I call acting class acting yeah. as opposed to, you know, sometimes when you're in a movie, I've done this too. You really go for it and you go, okay, great. I got that out of my system. Now let me modulate hmm. the performance. And, you know, there were, there were times that I would have, you know, just because you can cry and emote, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to, you're going to touch the pro, you know the performer and yeah. so i think as a director you really have to mo- that's something emotion you have to be very very careful of i, I think of um you know of uh, of that on on screen i'd love to know other people's what they think of uh shoot the moon which is uh that is disturbing i mean my parents divorce was just you know was cha- was like more like shoot the moon <laughs> it was more like you know they were really angry at each other and this seemed to be very nice <laughs> like i'd lo- i'd love to have a very you know wealthy sophisticated uh you know lawyer helping you out and it all seemed you know pretty great anyway it's a it's an interesting movie let's uh, before we're going to talk about christmas movies with uh, alonzo duralde mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, just let's briefly say that, uh, yes, it's a disappointment with everything that female uh, film directors have accomplished. Still, it's embarrassing that there are no uh, female directors nominated for the Golden Globes. Absolutely uh, a shame. 
And in fact, I made a point of mentioning that there a bunch of films were put into the Library of Congress, mm-hmm. among them Elaine May's A New Leaf, which mm. is 1971. In the, in the Hollywood Reporter, it says the first film directed and starring a woman. It is now this is a this is a misnomer that I was always that I was taught my entire life. You know, when we did Trailblazing Women for TCM, people were making women were making studio films turn of the century, you know, <laughs> that they start, that they wrote, produced and started. Maybe they were in a two hour, you know, but to see that it wasn't a studio film, they were studio films because right. they were working for studios. Alice Key Blachet, we had Pam Green on here, ran her own studio. Therefore, that is a studio film. So uh, if you want to get into modern filmmaking and if you want to say that the first modern f- filmmaker was Barbara Loden who in Mm. 1970 made a film called Wanda. She wrote, produced, directed, and starred in it. Uh, It's a Criterion release, so people may want to check it out. So, As much as I love Elaine May and Champion and New Leaf, she is not the first filmmaker. And so, again, we get these credits wrong so many times. And even within the credits, it's like, gee, isn't it, isn't it unbelievable? She's the first woman in 1970, you know, like they finally let this woman make the movie. And, and again, it's a misnomer. Women were always making films, writing, producing, editing films. So sorry to get on my, well, it buries decades of history, you know, it's, it's because crazy. it makes it insignificant. And again, coming, you know, with the same thing with the Golden Globe, Here's all these the great some of the great films uh, directed by women this year: Booksmart, Honey Boy, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, The Farewell. Mm. I'm sure I'm forgetting a, a bunch of others, but all you know, amazing films. And you know, you know what the Golden Globe's response was? Uh, you know that uh, well, maybe there should be a different category. It's like, yeah, like you know, like. W- Women's movies? Like, that's what they, we used to say. A chick, I thought we were, they're saying, like, women, like, yeah, like, let's make a special category, you know, like an inferior category. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the implication. And then the other complaint was, yeah, but women get to do a lot of things on TV. That was the other, that was the other. What are they, what are these women complaining about? Get back in the kitchen. It's so, it's so, these, they can watch the Great British Bake Off. These stereotypes, they're so baked in, you know, and that you find yourself, again, just sort of shaking your head. Stereotype. Women have always made movies. It's not a revelation. People didn't, women didn't suddenly in the 70s start to make movies. They were there at the beginning. Stereotype number one. Stereotype, you know, number two. Uh, There does not need to be a special category for... Films directed by women. All of the movies that I, you know, saw, if I if you saw Honey Boy, you would not know if a if a man directed it or a woman directed right. it. You know, and yeah, it's it's really challenging. You know, where we make steps forward and then uh, and then we go backwards because of you know what what people read. Um, that's what I think anyway. All right. Well, enough of that. Let's talk about Christmas movies and bring in uh, Alonzo Duralde here. 
It's Christmas morning. I'm mouthing off. Um, Alonso is a critic expert on Christmas films. He was the artistic director at the USA Film Festival Dallas for five years. He's also the former arts and entertainment editor at the National Gay and Lesbian Magazine. He became a senior film critic for The Wrap, which also syndicates his reviews uh, for Reuters. He appears on the TYT Network, What the Flick, co-hosts the uh, podcast Breakfast All Day. His first book, 101 Must See Movies for Gay Men, was published. Duralde was featured in writer Dennis Hensley's book. And your second book, which is out now, I'm going to hold it up, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas, published in October by Limelight Editions, available on Amazon. We know how much uh, book sales are important to us. But thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is a treat. And you look very festive. You look, you've got your Christmas. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sort of. I know. I, I would have gone red if I'd known you were doing green. But I think it, this worked either way. <laughs> um, so we're going to do Christmas movies, but it is a tradition on the show. If you do, you remember the first movie you saw and who took you to see it? I do. Well, I'm I'm the youngest of seven, so wow. my my oldest sister is 13 years older than I am, and uh, she and her high school boyfriend took me to see Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory Aww. in its original release. Uh, which scarred me for life and turned me into a lifelong movie fan, I think. Now, what, which part? Like watching the kids get sucked that, into... That tunnel scene, you know, <laughs> there's like there's a chicken that gets beheaded, and there's a worm crawling across somebody's face. Like, that is for a G-rated movie. That's really pushing it. But, yes. Uh, An iguana, too, right? I think. Uh, it's, yeah, eating a bug. Yeah, yeah very uh, unsettling. The, it's funny. The 70s and 80s ratings were just sort of like a suggestion. Yes. <laughs> I know. I grew up. Did you see? I remember on television they would they would have all the you know portrait of a teenage alcoholic. Oh right, right, yeah, yeah. All the getting into drugs movies. The the whole Linda Blair cycle. Yes, <laughs> which only you know would made you feel like if you left school you'd end up in prison. You know. Yeah, or you'd hitchhike and get picked up by a serial killer. <laughs> oh, um, so with your your Christmas book that's out now. I mean, again, I, I guess I got to ask the. The were you are you were you a fan of Christmas? <laughs> or are you you know or are you just yes, very much so. Again, big family, so that yeah. was always a great time of year. And also, I think the the age difference plays in because Christmas was when everybody came home, you know, yeah, because I was still you know knocking around while everybody else was off in college or whatever. Um, so yes, I've always loved Christmas. I've always loved movies, and I think inevitably it was you know I was going to have to bring the two together. Well, seven kids that must be an all day. My God. Oh yeah, it's an event, and like, you know oh. nowadays when we it's a major troop movement because you. Know, you know, we're all married. Most of us have kids. It's like, yeah. you know, it's a whole thing. Oh, that sounds fun. I like, and and do you have any, well, like, what are you, you have your go-to family? Because everything, what's great about the book is it's divided. You even have, as I was saying to you uh, before we started, the, the worst. I love that you have the worst. Because sometimes you, you go, I can't watch it's a Wonderful Life one more time. Yeah, or, you, or can you? Oh, I, I manage. You watch it every year. Well, you know, because we live in L.A. and they project it every year, which is yeah. great. So, like, oh, we'll troop out to the Arrow in Santa Monica and see it. And that's that's become, like, part of the – one of the stops, you know, on the Christmas tour. But, yeah, I, I, I was seeing some terrible ones and some really, like, beautifully, brilliantly terrible ones. And I was like, yeah, we need to – got to toss those in for, for variety. But, yeah, the, the book kind of – you know, I think the idea is that whatever kind of movies you like, there's a Christmas movie that fits your niche. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're a horror person, if you like action, if you want a tearjerker or a comedy or whatever, or even if you want a terrible movie, like, you know, there's there's Christmas on offer. And uh, It's a Wonderful Life has an interesting history because it wasn't necessarily a hit 
film right. when it came out. Yeah, it uh, it pretty much bankrupted uh, Frank Capra's production company <laughs> wow. that he had started. You know, he, it, this was the first movie that he and Jimmy Stewart made coming back from World War II. Yeah. Uh, and Jimmy Stewart, we now know from biographies, was suffering from PTSD during the shoot. And you can really, it, there are moments in the performance where, where that comes through. But I think that's interesting because that, that movie for him becomes the pivot point between like pre-war sort of aw shucks Jimmy Stewart right. to like the Anthony Mann, you know, Otto Preminger, Jimmy Stewart, the yeah. you know, Vertigo Jimmy Stewart that we'd be getting not long after. But yeah, so it, it, it tanked, it went into the public domain, and then that's why, you know, when, when we were coming up, it was constantly on television because right. it was free. And I think, you know, now you have those 24-hour Christmas story marathons, and I'm pretty sure those are designed to, th- th- they got the idea from It's a Wonderful Life yes. by accident because that, because It's a Wonderful Life was just always on. Like, it would end on one channel, and you'd flip over, and it'd be, you know, two-thirds of the way through somewhere else. Right. Like, the when I was growing up, the, the I mean, I remember, you know, they, there would be It's a Wonderful Life, Meet Me in St. Louis, and right. The Bishop's Wife. Mm. And White, they, Christ- White Christmas. White Christmas, you're sure. right. They'd always play Top Hat on New Year's Eve. Did Ooh. you know? That, that used to, I don't know, I just have a remember it because I would be with my relatives, Italian oh. relatives, and I'd be. they'd be upstairs banging pots and they would be <laughs> downstairs watching... You know, Doing the Continental. Fred Astaire. I guess they feel like it's sophisticated. Exactly. Yeah, we're dressed up. You know, you it's know, a New Year's thing. Yeah, a New Year's thing. <laughs> but I remember, I think it was in the late 80s, there was a book that came out called, it's it, like the making of It's a Wonderful yes. Life. And that was the first time that I, that I sort of consider, that I felt that they were considering Christmas movies as sort of artistic, like, oh, there actually may be a theme here. Yeah, I think for the most part, you know, they're sort of looked upon as there's either good movies that happen to be Christmas movies that you like for whatever reason. But I don't think anybody's really sort of taken it seriously as a genre. And I mean, I'm, and this isn't an academic book. You know, I'm not like, <laughs> there aren't footnotes. I'm not getting deep into this. But, you know, I just think that what, what I think is cool about it is that, um, you know, we think of the It's a Wonderful Life's and the White Christmases and that kind of right. thing as the sort of obvious go-tos. But when you start digging a little and you say, oh, well, you know, Eyes Wide Shut is a Christmas movie, you know, right. or Metropolitan or The Lion in Winter. You know, these are Christmas movies. Uh, and people kind of take a step back and go, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, sure. And and so it, it sort of expands the definition. Well, plus, because you can, you know, you can have your own sort of film festival. Absolutely. At, <laughs> at home throughout the holidays. You don't have to keep, you know, watching the same one. So I want to talk about some of the more obscure ones. Oh, sure. Because there were ones that I even hadn't. What was the Deanna Durbin one that oh, you mentioned? Christmas Holiday, yeah. yeah Christmas Holiday. So t- tell me about that one. Which, you know, sadly is in this kind of copyright hell in the U.S., oh. so it, it's never been released on home video. Darn. They, they, it, it, you know, I, I know at TCM they want to show it every year and they just right. can't get their hands on it. It was a universal movie. Uh, it's a Robert Siodmak noir film. It was Deanna Durbin's first grown-up role. Like, she yeah. was, you know, the sort of, you know, juvenile ingenue, but this was her, like... You know, I'm now I'm I'm a woman. You know, and uh, so it's based on this Somerset mom story. Where in the story she's like a singer in a whorehouse. In the movie they keep it kind of vague. It's like you know, a, <laughs> it's a hotel or something. Um, <laughs> but basically, it's this guy, the, this GI, gets written a, a dear John letter. He wants to go home for Christmas to confront his ex fiance. But the plane gets stuck in New Orleans. He meets Deanna Durbin's character, takes her to mass, learns her tale of woe, where she'd been married to this guy who seemed charming, but turned out to be like a compulsive gambler and a had a you know this mommy fixation that guy is played by gene kelly so you've got gene wow. kelly and deanna durbin in this like really dark noir film which is super oh, I 
critical to anything they ever did. And it's really terrific. And, yeah. and I, I wish more people could see it. And I, I'm holding out hope that one of these years they'll clear up whatever the the legal problem is. Because uh, I, I had to I had to get a DVD out of the UK to even watch it. Wow. Wow. That would be, yeah, that was a, a good one. Now, another great thing you have is um, uh, I love all the fun facts oh, that you have. You. That's a great, you know, so you, you can read the movie and you can see things about where the location was. One of the things I liked was that um, the film Christmas and Connecticut and Bringing a Baby used the same set. Yeah, the, the, the outside <laughs> of the farmhouse. Wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, and then also, like, how did the, you notice? You just noticed it? No, or no, no. I, I read it somewhere. Oh. Like, I, the, the Academy Library is a very helpful oh, resource if you live in LA. Like, they, they've got everything. Um, also found out that the the neighbor's house, I think, in Christmas Vacation, that's on the Warner Ranch, yeah. was uh, Danny Glover's house in Lethal Weapon. Oh, uh, yeah, which I is also I, a Christmas movie. Yeah, <laughs> I think I read that one. Uh, now, what about this movie? This sounded so. I've never heard of this movie, Trapped in Paradise. Ah, nineteen ninety four, written and directed by George Gallo. Yes, uh, who had a very promising start. Nick. Cage, John Lovitz, Dana Carvey, uh, Machen Amick, yeah, and it's Fox. Yeah, it's a, it's a comedy where uh, Cage, Lovitz, and uh, and Dana Carvey. Uh, yeah, there I we mean, go. I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, they they play they play siblings. Uh, uh, Nicholas Cage is the one who's sort of trying to go straight, but they're all yeah. kind of like have criminal backgrounds, and so Lovitz and Carvey get uh, a, a, like a Christmas furlough out of prison, right. and they overheard some guy wanting to like do a bank job in this tiny little town. So they he gets Cage gets dragged along to do the bank job, and then of course they can't leave. There's like right. just one complication after another, and of course the longer they say, it's one of those little towns where they fall in love with everybody. And then they feel bad about having stolen their money, and you know complications ensue. Oh, okay. and their mother is played by Anne Ramsey from Throw Mama from the Train. Oh, the great Anne Ramsey. <laughs> and you said we were talking about Quick Change, but you said it's got that vibe of Quick Change. Uh, kind of, yeah. In terms of just the, the sort of like absurdist caper movie. You know? Now wait a minute. Why is Lady in the Lake? Come on. Why? Well, that's is... totally Christmas. Have it you is? seen it lately? Not in a the, while. The opening credits are all on Christmas cards. There's a there's a great okay. scene where like Audrey Totter is like standing next to a Christmas tree holding a gun. It's oh, okay. the whole thing is set at Christmas. I guess I thought so much of just the weirdness of them looking the at the first person, yeah. Yeah. Uh okay, let me look at the fun facts. <laughs> but yeah, with well, the Christmas cards, I like that. Uh Ames is known for being the father and meet me in St. Louis. Right, in the guy first in the, movie yeah. told from the point of so, view. So yeah, the, yeah the, the, for people who don't know the film, it's uh, it, it's um, Robert Montgomery as uh, which is Sam is it Philip Marlowe or uh, I think he is he Mar- oh, well, it's by Raymond Chandler, yeah. so yeah, he must yeah, be so Marlowe. He's Philip Marlowe, and the premise of the film is that the camera is Philip Marlowe. Yeah. So hmm. uh, everybody oh, is talking to the camera. It's all yeah, directly first person. Yeah. The only time you see you hear Robert oh, Montgomery's voice throughout. Tree. Yeah. See, I love um, it. But you know, you I never realize, and you only see Robert Montgomery in the mirror. Yes. <laughs> finally, you see him in the one. Uh, I have the poster. Which oh is wow! Very disturbing. Where he's like, that's the po- I have that poster. Oh nice. Yeah, I mean it's, it, it's 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 very gimmicky, but it's a cool yeah. idea, and you know it's almost it's almost an experimental film in a way. 
Uh, oh, Go. You have Go in there. Yeah. I John lo- August, right? Is that his first screenplay, I think? This uh, is directed by so. Doug Lyman. Yeah, yeah, John August wrote it, yes. John yeah. John He wrote that on spec, and now he's like John August. But, yeah. Yeah. And, that, uh, and, 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 and giving gigs to uh, Melissa McCarthy from the, from the get-go. She, this is one of her first. Oh, movies. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, this one's very interesting. Do you have... Um, isn't the ice storm? Is the ice storm a Christmas movie or no? I it's just the snow. I think yeah, I think yeah, it's just winter. Just, just the snow. Do you have specific criteria that like this can count? Oh, or, good like, question. Oh, yeah. you know, I I, re- I leave that up to folks because I, I get asked all the time. Like this year, people were like, "Oh, well, is is Hustlers a Christmas movie?" Because there's a big there's one big scene that's set at Christmas, and you know, somebody asked if the Irishman was. I'm like, well, if you think it is, sure. I mean, because yeah. I I I, oh, I, I yeah. you know, like I have good female fellas. trouble in there. <laughs> there you go. I have I have female trouble in there which really just has the one scene early on where she doesn't get the cha-cha heels for christmas and she dumps the christmas tree on her parents yeah. and that's it but it's such an iconic scene mm. that i include it anyway you know um so I, I think sometimes you get movies where christmas happens but only because they want to show the passage of time and that's just an easy way to say december um right but you know if, if for you you think of that moment as being Christmassy, then then absolutely i mean there are people who think of the sound of music as a christmas movie just mm. because they would always watch it with their family at Christmas time, even right. though there's not a second of Christmas in it. So, you know, far be it for me to like, you know, canonize anything. But uh, for me, generally, it's sort of like if there's either, if there's at least one specific moment that's very Christmassy. If, if there's a sense of Christmas throughout the film, if it, if it affects the plot in any way, like I've always defended Die Hard as a Christmas movie because, right. you know, the fact that the party is happening on Christmas Eve is part of the plan. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. the building's going to be empty. There's not going to be people in the streets, um, you know, and on another level, it's a movie about a husband and wife who reconcile on Christmas Eve. Mm. And her name is Holly. Come on. <laughs> uh, and, uh, this is one of my, I love this movie, Nobody's Fool. Oh, so great. That is a, such an underrated film with yeah. a with a fantastic uh soundtrack. One of the one of the last uh, one of the last maybe the last Jessica Tandy movie, definitely yes. late Paul Newman and, and late Robert Ben. I think that's what you say and then you said uh which okay, this was this threw me. Newman and Willis had worked together previously that the latter had been a bit player in the verdict? Yes. <laughs> How did you find that? How did you uh, research? <laughs> See, sometimes it's like you just be watching something. Like I was watching um, the movie Francis Farmer, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wait a minute, is it Kevin Costner? Is it extra? You know? And then, uh, wow, yeah. And then we, when I did a movie with him, I said, I, you know, I've seen a lot of your work, specifically <laughs> Francis. Francis. <laughs> it's fun to rib people that way, you know. Uh, but, uh, no, I didn't know that. So now I want to look at, you know, and uh, I and, love that film and a great Bruce Willis performance and a very early yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman appearance. Yeah. Very. Uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, Paul Newman is fantastic oh, so in great. it. And uh, again, one of my, you know, that seems to be a hallmark for me of a Christmas movie is the location. And there's sure. a great location yeah the, the snowy little in, town they're in upstate new york right yes I think. and uh and uh, a, a, a great early scene stealing margot martindale appearance oh yeah that's She's right the bartender yes <laughs> there's all sorts of great uh little oh but i love that town yeah um, and Melanie Griffith is in it. She's she's yeah. really great in that too. She's yeah. fantastic. Do you think that like Christmas movies are explore certain themes? I mean, renewal. Uh, yeah, redemption. I think is a big redemption. One. You know, there's something about Christmas where I think for 
for conflicts, especially within families. There's something about the idea that Christmas is that time that we're going to finally have that conversation that clears the air or we're going to decide to forgive somebody or or the thing is going to happen that's going to mend, you know, this broken relationship. Yeah. And and, and there's something ineffable about the Christmas season where we think that's that's when it's going to happen. Yeah. It's like it feels like you have to tread the the family Christmas theme. You have to tread very lightly because there's some movies like Once Around, which I really (laughs) love. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then more recently, like that movie, The Family Stone, it just felt like... Not a fan. (laughs) Yeah, like it's just, you want to get behind. I mean, I feel like a Christmas movie, you inherently want to get behind. I don't know why. I do, definitely. But yeah. I I, defend The Family Stone personally. Yes. I want to make... It's funny. I love fans. No, for sure. For sure. And I love SJP, but I think it might be... I love a dysfunctional family dramedy, and I feel like well, I was the exact Christmas. Christmas. That's, that's my yeah. favorite kind of like yeah. Christmas movie. Like, yeah. the, and the French, I think, do it really well. Like, there was a movie a few years ago called A Christmas Tale with uh, Catherine Deneuve and Mathieu Malric that I think is great. Oh, okay. Um, one called La Buche that's harder to find, unfortunately, but it's mm-hmm. really funny. Um, but uh, yeah, the ref, you know, which I have taken a couple of years off because I just I'm not ready to deal with Kevin Spacey again. You know? Yeah, but, but a great movie otherwise. Richard Legravenez wrote and directed that one. Um, but yeah, I love a, 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 a bickering family at, at the holidays. That's like that's, yeah, mm, that's yeah. my eggnog. Another theme <laughs> seems to be love at Christmas. Sure. Well, yeah, that always is like. I mean, that that's the entire Hallmark Network is built upon that idea. You know? Well, and I, and again, I was trying to think why that is. Is that is that you know is that because the, again that's our hope. I mean, it's tough to be alone at the holidays. It really yeah. does. It is when he, it you know you miss people that are no longer with you. It just it, it tugs at your heartstrings. Well, you know? there's a line in a, in a Christmas Carol something about like this is the time of year where need is more keenly felt. You know and yeah. And I think it's the That's same thing. It's the same thing with loneliness. Well, because so much of the holiday is about community and family and, and togetherness. And so if you don't have those things, you're seeing it around oh. you. You're seeing it in TV You fixed me. And- Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Diagnosing Ileana. <laughs> but no, I, 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 yeah, I think, no, I, think I think also the thing about love stories at Christmas is that there's something about Christmas that I, I, I think encourages us to be our best selves. Yes. And so maybe that true. our best selves is the one that is open to being vulnerable, that's open to being yes. receptive to love. I, I feel that way. Like you you watch a movie like Love Actually, but then the problem is you try to really act like that. And people, <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like, to pull off. Can I help you? <laughs> people in L.A. don't seem to Man, be this is an get <laughs> as much into, you know, because where I'm from, we're well, from Ohio. And yeah. I'm from, you know, when I go home to New England, it's like. You spend ten minutes talking to the grocer about something, and you know no one is behind you, and irritated. Well, it never something. feels like Christmas in L.A. to me, and I'd be interested to hear your take on this, Alonzo. Well, but you know, I grew up in the South, hard. so like okay. I've, I've never had a white Christmas in my life. Yeah. So having an eighty degree Christmas here as opposed yeah. to like a sixty five degree one at home is like that a huge difference. Uh, and and one of the things I like about Shane Black is how much he really loves the idea of how artificial an L.A. Christmas is. You look at him right. like kiss, kiss, bang, bang, and mm. it's all like palm trees wrapped in twinkle lights and stuff. Yes. Um, yeah, that's a, the same thing with the, the movie, which I don't think is in here because it, it's somewhat problematic, is Reindeer Games, mm, yes. which uses the whole, you know, Christmas, deconstruct it. Uh, I've said this before, but one of my favorite DVD commentaries is John Frankenheimer, <laughs> who does side-by-side scenes of his cut and what the what oh, they wow. made him 
do so the shade commentary then it's great much. It, it. it is so <laughs> it's really entertaining it made me like and he would and i would see his scene and i'd be like yeah his scene's better <laughs> like there was unbelievable and he'd say here's what they made me do and then he'd, you know. <laughs> i'm kind of surprised that i i and i know there are some that exist but uh there have there haven't been any Southern Hemisphere Christmas movies that have really permeated the American consciousness. And I would love to see a movie, uh, you know, that's set in Australia or New Zealand or Brazil where everyone is just like sweating and, you know, surfing yeah. or whatever because it's the middle of summer for them. You know? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Um, I love the movies. I love For me, the Christmas Carol is one of my... We're oh. going to talk about our favorite films later, but... I always love. Again, it just has a tie to childhood and mm-hmm. watching it on stage, and yeah. I just always liked this idea that a ghost would come <laughs> from your past, and make you be a better person. You know, I, I, have, I have this weird theory that like a Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life, and Home Alone are all kind of the same story. Yeah, in that people are sort of shown alternate versions of their own life and sort yeah. of made to appreciate what they have. Oh, that's true. That's good point. Yeah, you're right. Home Alone. I hadn't thought. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, like. You know, when, he, when, when the family, he wishes for the family to go away, and then they do, and then he has to sort of realize what that means, you know. Right. So it's sort of like getting that, it's like it's his Pottersville, having the house to yeah. himself. And yeah. there is kind of a magical element with Home Alone, with the shoveler kind of guy. He's almost oh, like one of the, neighbor. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the ghosts that I feel like comes in to, <laughs> yeah. that's interesting. Somebody made a comment, this year was the 20th anniversary of Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, oh. and somebody wrote a piece saying that it's kind of the horny Christmas carol, and that you can kind of divide <laughs> the movie into like past, present, and future wow. for the Tom Cruise character. That's a movie that I have to revisit. <laughs> I remember seeing, the first time I saw it, I, I was stuck in a snowstorm, so oh, wow. I saw it, and uh actually supposed to be doing a play and the play was canceled <laughs> so we i said well i guess i watched this movie and then i ended up watching it again because i didn't understand it and then that was it that was like so i, I feel like i need to revisit yeah it. i think all of his movies get better as time passes like, right. i remember when I, I went opening day here in la and thinking yeah give me 20 years and then i'll maybe i'll know what this movie's about and, and i feel like i have a, a little more of a handle on it now that's know? true that's what brian de palma said about uh barry linden mm-hmm. he said i the first time i saw it i hated it and and over the years i've I've seen it so many times, and now I think it's a masterpiece. No, absolutely. <laughs> like it took a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of work. Uh, okay, so then deconstructing uh, Santa is always fun. Mm. I, 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 for me, again, another classic. It's got to be. I watch bad. I do watch Bad Santa because yes. that's a movie my mom likes. Really? Oh yeah, my mom. Oh, my wow. like so we, and especially now, you know, whoever. If I work with someone, then my mother is like. You know, then she knows the person. <laughs> of course. <laughs> He's so good in this movie. I was watching Billy Bob in Bad Santa. <laughs> and uh, what I love about this movie is as is, is dark as it is, he does have a little twinkle in his you need. He's got that little slight twinkle in his eye. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. The one thing I, I discovered in, in researching the movie is there are like three cuts floating around yes. and the direct, oh, I know the director's cut is actually the shortest one. Oh, right because you worked with terry's wire i the, know the, all about the saga of bad santa <laughs> apparently the the director's cut is the shortest one because he wanted to take out every instance where billy bob's character was being nice to anybody <laughs> <laughs> so it's the most pungent you know, yeah right? the most concentrated version and he worked for i mean talking to like kubrick he worked for like 10 years on his own version of it. Oh, no kidding. So interesting. I mean, what was, 
what I thought was interesting was it was valid. It was a very different film, sure. but that was valid too. But yeah. it was a different movie. Yeah, I think sometimes director's cuts can like fix a movie, or some in rare occasions are like leave well enough alone. But yeah, sometimes it's sort of like okay, this is just a different interpretation of this. And so yeah. I think they they both work in their own way for sure. Yeah, they have sim- certain similarities. But I I happen to love Bad Santa. I just think oh, that's yeah. a really. <laughs> The thing about Bad Santa is there is a sense of joy in that film. Sure. Like, and do you think that's a precedent for a good Christmas movie? Because even I would say the best Christmas horror films still have like a wicked mischievousness, like something that's mm. still, in my mind, if it's just completely bleak and joyless, it's not necessarily a Christmas movie. Yeah, I mean, there aren't a lot of super hardcore bummers in this category. Yeah. I mean, you could point to a movie like I don't know. Claude Autonlora's Deuce from the 40s, which is like, it's all set at Christmas, but it's this very sort of noirish thing about this like maid who's trying to like screw over the people that she works for. And it's, it's, it's fun, but it's bleak, you know? Yeah. Um, but even like Bergman's Fanny and Alexander, that Christmas segment at the beginning oh. is so joyous mm-hmm. and so luminous. And then it's it's after it's over that, you know, the things yeah. get dark and then it kind of picks up again at the end. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's it's a hard to, to, to do Christmas without giving some some glimmer of, of hope. I mean, I I had a hard time writing that horror chapter of this book because I'm such a wimp about horror movies, and I, I'm the first to admit it. So uh, I could not get through Maniac, oh. uh, which is an '80s kind of cult classic. Uh, yeah, when did when did who got the the idea? Like, wait a minute, Christmas, dark Christmas. <laughs> like, what was the? Do you know the first? Probably the first Black Christmas in '74, which was okay. you know Bob Clark, who then went on to make a Christmas story. I love yeah. that. those are those are his yin and yang there. <laughs> love um, it. Yeah, I, I think in general, like for whether it's horror or dark comedies or whatever, mm. there's something about Christmas that feels like the last kind of relatively pure thing you know right. that hasn't been completely commodified or or turned into like you know the like the way Halloween has become the sexy nurse costume holiday. Right. There's something, there's something relatively innocent about Christmas, so it's very easy to do something diabolical in front of Christmas and make right. it look even more diabolical. Mm. Uh, this one's a Christmas evil. <laughs> yeah, for instance, that's uh, a favorite of John Waters. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Brandon Maggart, who uh, is Fiona Apple's father and a Tony winner, uh, yeah. plays this guy who is obsessed with Santa and Christmas, and then uh, you know snaps as you do. Um, it's 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 really quite good. And and there's a Blu-ray of it that has the director and John Waters doing a commentary. Oh wow, that sounds fun. Yeah, a thing I recently learned: the guy who made the film was obsessed with the films of uh, Alain Resnay. And he actually went uh, and found like one of his cinematographers, I think the guy who shot Stavinsky, uh-huh. and uh, and got him to come shoot this movie. Wow. Okay that that one sounds very interesting, but I'd have to see that with you know during the day yeah, with the lights on. And then you have ja- Gremlins, awesome. Yeah. I love we love we love Joe Dante. We love Joe. Uh, there's a movie called Silent Night. Uh, well, there's Silent Bloody Night. Deadly, Night? Yeah, Silent Night Deadly Night is the slash movie everybody knows. Okay. Silent Night Bloody Night I'd never heard of until doing never the heard of it. Uh, Mary Warrenov and her then husband made it together, uh-huh. and it has all these like Warhol factory people in it. There's like wow. there's there's a scene that's like a, a flashback to uh, 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 sort of a, an orgy in a madhouse or something. I forget yeah. exactly what it is. But like Dean is in it and all these other sort of Warhol factory <laughs> folks who, you know, I guess they had in their Rolodex. It's it's a cool, it, it feels like one of those, we were talking, you know, the, the, those 70s made for TV movies. Yeah. Not, not so much the Sarah T, but the, uh, those really kind of bleak, 
low budget horror movies where it's always like this house in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. It was always, you know, like this, this, the sky is slate gray and maybe there's a ghost, you know? Yeah, this one sounds interesting. It sounds very arty. It is. And then you have Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, yeah. That's 1984. Which I, has like four or five sequels. <laughs> yeah, that was the big... Isn't there... There's like a dark Christmas movie out this year, I think. Uh, there's a Black Christmas remake, actually. It's coming oh out God. this week. So there's um, a lot. But, and I'm, I'm excited about that one because uh, April Wolf, who was a film critic for a long time and we used to co-host a podcast together, is the co-writer on it. So Okay, I never heard of this. Whoever slew Auntie Rue. That sounds oh. like a monkey's episode. <laughs> It's she- it's Shelley Winters. Oh my God, we love Shelley Shelley Winters. <laughs> and it's uh, it, it's basically a take on the Hansel and Gretel story. Wow. Um, with the kid, is it the kid from Oliver? I think right, Mark uh, Lester. It's directed by Curtis Harrington, starring yeah. Shelley Winters, Mark Lester. Yes, yeah, the kid from Oliver and his wow. sister wind up pushing. Wait her a to minute, another. Sir Ralph Richardson. Oh yeah. <laughs> And, you know, Curtis Harrington was, like, this great sort of, like, he did, um, uh, is it High Tide? Which is the, the the Dennis Hopper movie from the 60s. It's kind of the, cre- uh, the High Tide or Low Tide or Yes, I know the like name, that. Curtis Harrington. And he, um, he, was, he was very much in the sort of, like, Come on, Holly- Ryan, help us out. The kind of Hollywood um, witchcraft uh, circle. Like, apparently... I've um, got to see who slew Annie Rue. Le- Lisa Jane Persky wrote this amazing article oh about God. his Curtis Harrington's funeral where a kid yeah. of anger got up and, and claimed that, that Harrington had, like, summoned a dibbuk or something. It's, yeah, he, he was very into the, uh, like, the, 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 the sort of L.A. seance scene. Yeah, that one sounds really... Uh, Night Tide. Night Tide, thank you. I, I knew there was a tide in there somewhere. Yes. Wow, that one sounds really good. Okay, now we're going to get into the worst. Like, what? Are, <laughs> what qualified? Did, were there more that you had to leave uh, out? Well, there have been more since the book came out. I'll say that. Oh, much. really? So, yeah, the year- I love the picture you had. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah, the, the, you had a funny, very funny picture that's from here. The, the 1959 oh, uh, Mexican Santa Claus. Which- I mean, that is a great. I don't know if they can see that. The, can, the, the more see I this? see that movie, uh, I don't know if it's Stockholm Syndrome setting in, but like I, I kind of think now that it's uh, it's maybe kind of brilliant. But it's it's a low-budget uh, movie from the guy who's Hysterical. probably best known in this d- country for directing a movie called Wrestling Women versus the Aztec Mummy. Um, <laughs> and and it's, all, it's all about Santa. And, uh, and you know, he fights the, the, a, a demon from hell named Pitch, whom the devil uh. has sent to Earth to, to uh, stop Christmas. But uh, Santa has uh, Merlin on his side it's it, it's bonkers wow but it's a lot of fun but yeah i think i was also trying to pick like movies that were that were bad sort but, of kitschy but, but fun to watch, yeah you know um you know so so it's like like santa claus the movie i think is really bananas but it also has this insane scenery chewing performance by john lithgow that you just have to see um you know and then there's uh you know, like the the Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny and the Magic Christmas Tree, which is these like really super super low budget movies from the '60s that you you just don't even know where they came from. Like the Magic Christmas yeah. Tree. When I did the research, every single person in that movie was the only credit they have on IMDb. <laughs> like they, the, the director, the producer, the writer, the cast. Like nobody ever did anything else, but they all somehow made this this one wackadoo movie. One and done. So this one, get um, yourself a college girl. <laughs> I mean, like, how did you even find find it? You IMDb gives you categories sometimes. Oh, you know, I see, so I see. I, you... w- I would chase things out. Yeah, Get Yourself a College Girl is, is one of those sort of, like, teen dance party movies. I where... love movies. Like, that's a theme I love. Um, you know, so, oh, my God. Yeah. Dance movies. <laughs> 
That's I'm in. They, yeah, they all Chad go, Everett's in it. Chad Everett's in it. They, uh, Nancy Sinatra's in it. They they wow. go to a ski slope and you know the animals in the Dave Clark Five <laughs> sing. And I think it's the only movie Astrid Gilberto performs in. So Ooh. you get to see her sing "Girl from Ipanema." Hairstyles um, by Sidney Gerloff. Yes, and, big... and, and boy howdy, are their hairstyles! It's, uh, Marianne <laughs> Mobley, I think, is the star. Actually. Yeah, future Miss America. Oh, and the producer was Sam Katzman. Yes, so he was like a legendary. Did all all sorts of low budget, <laughs> you know, kind of films here. Yeah, he was he was one of the early exploitation kings. Santa and the ice cream. I'm just going to go through them because they're all so crazy. <laughs> Santa and the ice cream bunny. Yeah, it, it was made. No for... writer credited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just... Nobody wanted to. It was made as a tie-in for some like little theme park in Florida that got destroyed when oh, Disney wow. opened, basically. Yeah, and there's a whole chunk in the middle of the movie, and depending, this is this is how like. Fly by night. This is some some versions in the middle of it. There's this whole um, performance of Thumbelina, like but in like a yeah. little amusement park theater. And then in other versions, it's some other fairy tale. I forget <laughs> which now. But uh, again, I think the, the the producer behind that had made all these like really tacky sounding like '60s sex movies, and then Sand on the Ice Cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! And then you have six weeks in there. Oh, that one's hilarious. Yeah, there that is, one is. There is something about a, a precocious child dying of leukemia <laughs> after showing zero symptoms for the entire movie. That is just like comedy gold. And Dudley Moore is in it. Yeah, Dudley Moore and Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, wow, who are both hot off of like Arthur and and uh, Ordinary People respectively. Yeah. And that movie completely like killed their career momentum. Wow. Oh my god. Uh, wait, the uh, six weeks is. I have to read this. It's so funny. Six weeks is the sort of film where dying of leukemia equals being completely healthy until that moment when the patient wails, "It hurts!" before <laughs> suddenly dropping dead. Like <laughs> oh, that is what happens in six weeks. Then that's not a spoiler. That's an inducement to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that one is. You know, that one is the. Uh, there's so well. There's so many great ones. I gotta. I'm gonna. <laughs> You know, I got to put it down. But I have a whole Scrooge chapter. Like there, there are so many, so many versions. Yeah, yeah. You know, is like, that the one that's been the most? Oh uh, yeah, I think it's. I think it's the most adapted piece of literature in the movies ever. Like yeah. even more than you know Hamlet or whatever. Um, and you know, and and you see these sort of um, these trends that happen. Like there was a while there in the '90s where it was all Scrooge is an ambitious career woman, right? You know, so you had your your Susan Lucci version and your Cicely Tyson and your uh, Vanessa Williams and your Tori Spelling, yeah. and like. Uh, but then you also have your musicals and you have yeah. your animated ones and like so many. I know, and they had the businessman. Yeah, I wonder what the current Scrooge would be. I guess you know, anti climate or something. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. Probably somebody who like runs an oil company or something, but you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, Scrooge at least made him a TV executive. You know, that was that was a fun uh, yeah. spin on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it is it is endlessly permeable. There's something almost sort of like passion play about Scrooge, where we the story is in our DNA. Mm-hmm. We know all the beats of it, and so now it's just a question of changing the the specifics and the particulars. I think that's sort of part of the fun of Christmas movies too, is that you know them so well. And, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, uh, 
I always joke about the Hallmark movies that if you fall asleep in the middle of one and wake up in the middle of the next one, <laughs> you will still know what's happening and what's about to happen. That's you know? true. There's a few that are that have uh, they've been doing uh, shooting a few of them in Connecticut because it's a oh, wow. little picturesque. And then most of it they do in, in Vancouver. In Vancouver, yeah. 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 <laughs> 90%. And then in the they, lower 48, I'm very excited to hear. Yeah, that. there used to be a town where I grew up that, and unfortunately, it went out of business. But they, it was some wealthy people literally bought the entire town and turned oh, wow. it into a, like a Christmas town. Ugh. So it was, it was really nice to go visit there but my favorite thing about hallmark movies is figuring out which actor they're like the b minus version of like i feel like they all have like their doppelganger that they could probably be a stand-in for yeah like it's like oh we couldn't get brad pitt so we got or like oh we couldn't get because they all vaguely look like I somebody mean, people and you know. in, in general actors are very attractive people right but it's always fun to figure out like who could you have been or who do you audition with well that's kind of like like christian pop music you can sort of like correlate well which secular band is this yeah. supposed to be the equivalent <laughs> totally of? yeah you know but you're not allowed to listen to, to a so we're going to give you b yeah you know? absolutely <laughs> yeah the uh so jeff do you have any i wrote down some of my favorites i mean i hated to put wonderful life as number one but what else well i think oh, my, i did too my <laughs> controversial <laughs> choices. I'm a yeah. big Sean Baker fan who did most recently The Florida Project is the movie that our listeners have probably definitely seen. Yeah. Um, but he made a movie like f- five years ago now called Tangerine. Oh, mm. Tangerine. Yeah. yeah. Shot all on iPhone yeah. starring two trans actors playing trans actors, which is great because yeah. that does not happen enough. Right. Um, and really wonderful performances. That's a really interesting movie. Very kinetic, um, very energetic movie. And I'd call it a Christmas film. It yeah. takes place on Christmas Eve. It's set entirely on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Also one of the rare movies that really gets its LA geography right. Yes. Like right. It, it is set in this conscribed area and it all like I always know where they are and it it always makes sense that they could have done it on foot or on the bus or whatever it, it is all adds doing. up totally. and it all winds up at the hamburger mary's that is right around the corner from my house so, uh, you know, yeah we I all live in weho actually i think yeah. we're pretty oh, no geographically okay. close to each other yeah and, i uh, recognize a lot of things yeah it's like it's an la that i know it's funny i feel like la so often is portrayed as like the first class privileged la sure but i really like seeing a movie that's like about the the corner of what would that be? Santa Monica and Highland, right? And yeah, yes, yeah. It's there used to be the donut time. I think it's a Trejo's Tacos now. But I, no, it's it's Trejo's Coffee and Donuts. Oh, that's right, Trejo's Donuts. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like it's really nice to see that version of LA because it's very much in LA that most people who live here actually know. Yeah, and the the it, they get the LA light right too, mm-hmm. uh, which again you're shooting in an iPhone, so you really have no choice. But yeah, it you know I, I think that's that's what the title refers to is just the, that color of the sky. Yeah. Certainly, but I really like that movie. I love Sean Baker in general, and that there's a Christmas Carol karaoke moment in that movie mm. that I feel like is one of those iconic sort of Christmas song moments for me in that movie. So that would be my kind of obscure pick. I have that at number five. What? Oh, that's what you're. My, I, I, for my number five, I put uh, Christmas in Connecticut. Mm. Oh, I, I, you know, I just love it. For the sort of screwball, and it's about a woman. I guess she's sort of like the Martha Stewart of her day, yes. right? And she's she writes in uh, for a magazine about being the perfect hostess, and it's all fake. She's not married. She lives in an apartment. <laughs> yeah. So this GI uh, Dennis Morgan is coming home from the war, and they think it would be a great idea for him. Oh, there it is. Uh, and and of course she falls in love with him. 
has to. And then she has to explain. There's a lot of it, odd scenes with the baby in that. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a thing where like they're, they're borrowing somebody's baby, but they don't borrow the same baby every day, so it changes gender at some point. <laughs> yeah, and... it's a, that's like the one part that, you know, when you're watching movies, you're like, okay, I'm just going to let that go. There, there's, a whole <laughs> a sub, odd. there's a subgenre of Christmas movies where Barbara Stanwyck is a terrible journalist because, like, meet John Doe. <laughs> the movie begins with her getting fired, and then she writes this this column yeah. about a fake guy, and then it's it one of the weird and... scenes, actually, with the yes, with the, baby. the baby, and there's a whole thing about can she flip a flapjack, and you know, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a fun movie, though. <laughs> but it's still fun again about you know the pressure of the holidays and it all every even though everything is chaos it all sort of turns out okay and it does say something about like where america was in the 1940s that you could open a comedy with a u.s troop ship getting sunk <laughs> and only two people surviving and that's the that's the initiating incident of a comedy <laughs> oh my god uh, my number five uh i this is actually a, a recent one that i that, that is fun and, and a horror movie that i i did enjoy even though again wimp uh called better watch out mm. uh and it's sort of the idea of if the kid from Home Alone were a little older and, mm-hmm. you know, not have, not fully acknowledging how much of a sadist that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like, you know, there are home invaders. There's a babysitter. He's trying to protect them. Things get complicated and there are some really fun twists. It's a really cool movie. Oh, OK. Great. I'm going to look that one out. I uh, Again, you mentioned it earlier. Die Hard, of course, is a Christmas film. I have that as my number four. Uh, it's funny. I only saw Die Hard for the first time three years ago, and I feel like I I've always resisted that movie because it so often gets referenced as like the iconic action film, sure. right? right? And so I feel like sometimes I have a resistance if I feel like something is overhyped or over referenced. Of course, yeah. I feel like I watched it kind of begrudgingly, expecting to find it to be an overrated film and I finished it and thought like well that's a pretty perfect movie yeah it's the Casablanca of 80s action movies it's a like, really yeah. great it, movie it's, you can't there's nothing wrong with it you know? totally it's totally engaging and it just talk about ratcheting up tension mm. it's sort of a master class of screenwriting really is oh, how I absolutely. view that movie yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's my number four love Die Hard good choice uh, yeah. my number four I did Elf you know mm. I, I love it I, I love, you totally. know, it's, it, that was, you know, that's an interesting movie because I remember doing a, I was doing, I did a talk show with John Favreau and Will Ferrell and they were making the movie oh, and they were very nervous about it. Is you this know? on the table for five? Or? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. And so I remember they were, it was summer and they were making this movie <laughs> and, uh, you know, they were like, oh, this thing's going to work, you know? Well, and, it, it, the, the, what's great about Elf is like it has such a high wire act between being kind of knowing and ironic and being completely uh, sort of ingenuous. Yeah. Um, which I think is a lot of comedies try and fail to make that happen mm. and they just, they, 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 they make that they they get right in there. I think it rests on the commitment yes. of everybody, you know, because you're putting on those costumes, you know, <laughs> again, like it, it was interesting, you know, talking to Will Ferrell because he was like, I don't know about this thing, you know, like, <laughs> but then when I saw it on screen, it, yeah. it's that, I mean, the, the commitment to it, it just, you, you, then you, you just go with it. Yeah. They're know? not putting it in quotes. Like no. they're just doing mm-hmm. it. Everybody. I mean, you know, even, well, I, you know, I'm, I love James Conn and anything, so I like to see James Conn. And Ed Asner. Yeah. Was that the beginning of Ed Asner's Santa? Oh, I think he'd already he done, done some Santas on TV. Yeah, he's but he's one of the he's one of the greats. Who's, who do you, who's the best Santa? I don't like the movie, but I love Paul Giamatti as Santa in Fred Claus. Mm. Oh, 
Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah I don't know who the. I guess I have to. You know, I mean, Edmund O'Brien, uh, not Edmund Gwen, rather. Edmund Gwen's a good Santa. Tim Allen's a good Santa. Yeah. You know, there's a there's been a bunch. You know what I just realized? I did a Christmas movie. Which oh one? my God! I think I did it at home. I just I totally forgot. I, it was called A Country Christmas. Oh wow! It was completely financed by uh, 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 Brooks and Dunn. Oh wow! Okay. So it was like country and the were rascal. they in it or? I think I think people they knew were in it, but the Rascal Flats were in it. Oh nice! It was, again, it was an excuse to get country music. In oh wow! It. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I bet it pops up on uh, you know the uh, Hallmark. They, Hallmark has three channels doing Christmas twenty four seven, so somebody is showing it. And I, <laughs> I, I only really did it. You know, Kevin Pollock and I have been cast together. And it's just our own. We're our own. You know, William Powell and <laughs> we've been cast opposite each other. We're like, shall we make it five? You know. <laughs> But anyway, it was fun, and I got to end up in a in like a you know a dung heap. So oh, there I, you I was, go. Oh, I was you're the, the villain. Okay, I was cool. the villain. Yeah. Perfect. So it was great. Well, because yeah, you're a city lady, and so clearly, you, would yeah. you, you be the not. Scrooge of that movie if you were unredeemed at the end? Technically, I was unredeemed. I got my comeuppance. Oh, okay. I, I got I I you know I we want to stamp out Christmas. <laughs> me, me and Kevin Paul foiled. Yeah, we're foiled. We I got in, you know I got I end up in a dung heap at the end. I know Ryan's trying to desperately find it. It's not an episode of our podcast if Ileana doesn't accidentally realize or remember that she was actually in a movie she forgot she was in. It happens all the time. It's the best. I love totally. it. Totally, I'm like. Yeah, I'm I would be like that. Johnny Weissmeller suddenly yelling out Tarzan <laughs> on, on my deathbed. I go, is there number four? We're on oh. number three. Oh no, 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 sorry, no. My my number four is the Silent Partner, mm. uh, which is a a, a, cap- a caper movie with Elliot Gould and Susanna York, and uh, Christopher Plummer plays like the most terrifying bank robber who dresses as Santa Claus but gets out foxed cool. by Elliot Gould. Uh, Curtis Hansen screenplay. Oh my God, that sounds fantastic! Yeah, it came out on Blu-ray this year, so check it out. Okay, that's a good one. All I'm right, gonna get in trouble because my number three is The Family Stone. Uh, okay. Um, I love Diane Keaton always. It's well, funny. Sure, yeah. I uh, you were talking about Christmas movies that aren't necessarily Christmas movies, but yeah. to your family they are because you watch them. Right. Uh, the Diane Keaton Steve Martin Father of the Bride is that for our family. Oh, okay. It's been that for just. Probably two decades, really. We watch wow. it every year. So Diane Keaton almost feels like, in a weird way, like my aunt or something. So <laughs> when she shows up, it it always will. You want to see her at Christmas time. I, I want to see her at Christmas time. So that's part of the reason I love The Family Stone. And that movie also introduced the dysfunctional family dramedy for me. Like I oh, okay. kind of marked that as a benchmark for my own cinematic taste and loving family movies. So yeah. it's not a perfect film. There are some tonal issues, but it's... I do find when it's at its most earnest, it works for me. So I'll say the family's done. Okay. All right. My number three. I'm got. I, I I'm cheating. I got to do a tie. <laughs> it's sort of a tie. Because Ho- I, I had to get Holiday Inn in there because mm. I love Holiday Inn and Bing Crosby, and I love the idea of having a nightclub that only is open. <laughs> it's like, what's the business plan exactly of that? <laughs> it's a nightclub, and it's only open on holidays. <laughs> But it does have White Christmas in it, yes. and uh, I, I love it. It's a, I, I, that's a movie that I always watch if, sure. it's, if it's on. If you it's know, on. maybe fast forward through the blackface scene. But, yeah, you know, maybe through. Apart yeah, from that. Apart, apart from the Abraham, the, with them singing Abraham. Right. Yes. 
but it was, but I had to, but I had to kind of sneak oh, in sure. Love Actually. Oh, I don't okay. know, but it's in there because it's not with my two and my one. But I do love that Love Actually too is a movie that if it's on. I watch it. Gotcha. Uh, My number three is uh, this movie that you and I talked about uh, at Christmas Con. Uh, It's called I'll Be Seeing You, another one that I had never heard of in the book. So it's uh, Joseph Cotton and Ginger Rogers. He is coming home from World War II with uh, shell shock, uh, as they called it at the time. Um, She is currently in prison um, for having murdered her boss who tried to rape her and gets gets like a Christmas sort of furlough to go home. They meet on a train. Neither of them tells the other one what they're actually about. Yeah. He's really he's he's going out into the world to see if he can still function in the real world or if he needs to just institutionalize himself. And so they're both very broken people, but they yeah. meet at the right time and kind of help each other out. And it's it's quite lovely. And for a forties movie, like it gets into some some like dark stuff that you wouldn't expect. And then Shirley Temple, again, like Deanna Durbin playing one of her first grown up roles. That sounds uh, terrific. Who's like begins being very super judgmental about Ginger Rogers and then kinda comes to understand why she's in jail and stuff. It's 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 really good. Wow, that sounds great. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I know. I haven't seen that. I, lo- I love finding out about new movies. I'll be I'll be searching on YouTube or Prime. Yes. <laughs> Um, my number two, it's funny, we haven't talked about it as much as I expected to, but I love a Christmas story. And oh, I feel yeah, like it's, yeah, yeah. I, I guess will, it's so obvious. Yeah. It's, it's an obvious choice, but I'm from Cleveland, no, so oh, well. you can't not love that movie. And um, yeah, just that, again, you think about really earnestly funny Christmas movies. Yeah. That it's a nice balance between kind of sweet and whimsical, but it is pretty funny. That that leg lamp scene always plays for me, no matter when I see it or how I see it. So, right. Uh, yeah. I'd put You'll Shoot Your Eye Out, at least in my personal top 100 quotes for films. And I love it. I was just having a conversation with somebody about how, you know, like we're getting these sequels to Avatar and Avatar was the highest grossing film of all time. Nobody quotes Avatar. Yeah. And nobody has like Avatar merch. But, you know, we we say You'll Shoot Your Eye Out and people have the leg lamp. And like yeah. that movie has so bled into the culture in a way that like much more successful movies don't. So true. Yeah, I can't think of anything really iconic about Avatar. It's strange. I mean, even narratively, that's a pretty derivative movie. Mm. And I like James Cameron a lot, but no, it, it was it was a it was breathtaking to see it in 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 3D. And I'm not it's no shade yeah. on the movie, but it's just it doesn't you know usually movies that have come to have an impact like even like Titanic like you if you say I'm king of the world or draw me like your French girls like people know what you're talking about. Right. right. Nobody quotes Avatar. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I I think more of Ben Stiller at the. At the Oscars, which I did think was one of the funniest. Oh, oh that gosh. was a great bit. Yeah, making fun. That was a shocker. That's the best thing Avatar has produced. <laughs> there you go. Is that in, moment at the Oscars? In my mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay, number two. I'm I'm going with Shop Around the Corner. Oh, great one! I, I God, what a beautiful film that is. Yes. I, I love that movie. And Margaret Sullivan, again, she's not in too many films, so yeah. whenever she is, you really sort of savor it. She had such an interesting quality. Yeah, she had... She, she Like, you can sense other actresses going for that same thing that she's doing and not quite nailing it. Yeah. yeah. She was sort of sophisticated, but she could also be, like, you know, the, the, the gal from the country or whatever, yeah. you know? But, yeah, but smart and funny and... Yeah. I, I love her stuff. Yeah, interesting quality. And like again, not quite not quite perfect. I think that's why she works so well in the movie, you know. I like she's She's not, relatable. Yeah, mm. she's very she's not glammed up or it's not Barbara Stanwyck. Um 
she was just particularly right for that, you know, for the that shop film. Girl. <laughs> and he always uses all the little character actors. I love yes. how they pop up in all of his uh, in all of his films. Yeah, no, like if you want to sort of introduce somebody to Ernst Lubitsch and why he's special and great, like that's the movie to show him. I think. Yeah, definitely. But I watch. I I usually I if that's on at Christmas. Mm. I watched that. When I was a kid, I did love Bishop's Wife, though. That's a good one, but too. I haven't seen it in a while. It holds up pretty well. It does. I mean, it's we weird. You see the remake. It's, it's, it's weird because it, there's this sort of, like, almost romantic undercurrent to, like, Cary yes, Grant and, and Loretta to. Young. But it's like, she's married and you're dead. <laughs> and, you know. But it works. It works. You know. I love. I'm a, that's another theme. I do love uh, ghost women in love with ghosts. Oh, okay. <laughs> that right. seemed to be really yeah, popular. Ghost of Mrs. Muir. And yes. That's pro- I, you know, probably because. World War II and you know right. a lot of widows I think that's true wow. yeah all right, um, what's my excuse? Okay. <laughs> my my number two is the 1970 musical version of Scrooge with Albert Finney. Oh, I yes. love that one. That's a great one. He's one of my favorite Scrooges. He's one of the only yes. actors who plays old Scrooge and young Scrooge, hmm. which I think right. is kind of cool. So, like, you see him old, and he's got the, the 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 old age makeup, and he's you know all cruel and greedy and whatever. But then there's that's the flashbacks. It's like hot Albert Finney. Yeah, you know, and you're thinking, oh man, how did that guy become? This guy, you know, uh, and yeah, I like the songs. I'm a Leslie Brickus fan from way back. So, yeah, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's you know, I, I think there are a lot of great ones. You know, the Dorsey Scott and Alistair Sim, and uh, but the Muppets. But but I, I love Scrooge. I am. I am a sucker just for any you know Scrooge, Scrooge, the Bill Murray, the <laughs> Christmas Carol. They're all yeah. they're my favorite sort of. That's my favorite genre. It's comfort food, but it's Dickens, so you're allowed to feel smart while you watch <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly, it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, my Why number one. Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. It's incredibly obvious, but I'm going to. Home Alone. That's it for me. That is that is yeah. Christmas for me. It, I, I, believe me, it's a that's a it was a it was tough between Home Alone for me too. Home yeah. Alone uh, slash It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Lo- I mean, that movie, it just. I think partly I'm. I was born the year that movie came out. So, oh, wow. like. And that was. People talk about that movie not only being a cultural Christmas film, but just like a cultural phenomenon in general. Um, so I feel like the way the stars aligned with just my age in that movie and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just think you can't really outdo it. Or it. No movie feels more Christmassy to me. And I'm always so incredibly moved when he sees his mom. That yeah. movie for mm-hmm. me just there's certain scenes that you'll just always cry when you see him. And the fact that they wrote that he would see his mother first just always touches me so much in that film. So yeah. Home Alone, the strangest uh, thug movie ever made. <laughs> I wonder if you'd be able to, I mean, it's such an obvious thought, but it's like, again, would you be able to make a movie like that today where they'd say, uh, it's, they, well, it's they, horrible, they can't leave this child. They, they just announced they're doing a new version for Disney+. Plus oh, they are? With yeah. one of the kids from Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, so I... We'll see. I, my, my first thought was, so he's going to have no internet and no cell phone, right? Because otherwise, it's oh, a five-minute right. movie. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook status. He tweets out, please help. Exactly. The I'm end. home alone. The end. Yeah. He TikToks his... Uh... <laughs> it's got the great, uh, you know, the Daniel Stern and, and Joe Pesci are, oh. to me, really make the movie. They're yeah. fantastic villains. I mean, again, I keep thinking of this theme, like, you've got to commit to a Christmas movie. Yes. 150%. Yeah. 
you know, in an almost cartoon, you know. Yeah, because if Home Alone didn't go for it, it would have been a mess. That movie yeah. wouldn't, it only works because of how broadly it's drawn, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, that that was such a hit, it inspired so many knockoffs that didn't right. work. And so you can right. sort of pick out, okay, well, this didn't do that one. And, you know, the things that, that, that Home Alone gets right that so many other movies get wrong. Interesting. Yeah. I went with uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. You know, yeah, me too. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, just because it's so, it's a movie that, it, although there's so many times I've seen it, but it just, it always gets to me. And again, like you said, whatever is going on with him emotionally, yeah. it just works so much. And that scene where he comes home and everybody's, he's irritated with oh, everybody. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And where he comes from, from where they, you know, where they they start out, I, I I think it's a really truthful depiction of how you can feel around the holidays. Yeah. The pressure of not having any money and not being able to get uh, presents mm. and uh, you know all, all those kind of things and what's really important and what. You know. Nathan Rabin just wrote this amazing piece about now that now that he's a father, that scene that you talk about where where he's all irritated, but then when he like grabs his youngest son and like starts weeping, he goes, "That scene kills him now." Yes, that it's just like it's become so powerful. But yeah, I, I you know it, it, every time I watch it, even though I've seen this movie a million times, right. I know everything's going to happen when things when Uncle Billy loses that money. Oh, I just I just God, my I whole inside start collapsing. Like, oh God, no! <laughs> and I just know the next forty five minutes is just going to be agony, and then I'm going to be rewarded with like the greatest happy ending in the history of movies. But yeah. they make you earn it every single time. Yeah, that's a good point. It's true. I I you know I always get upset too with uh, poor Gloria Graham because oh. she's always Gloria Graham who becomes Violet a Bick. yeah <laughs> she becomes a prostitute and and uh, I think that that's a really interesting too that, that they really again commit to this idea that that of thinking about if you weren't here yeah what would happen and that you all you know you we all have some importance to somebody. Yeah, beyond like you didn't have to go off and be a war hero, and I think it's important to to kind of think about that as you know, especially in this business, right? At Christmas, and <laughs> yeah. I love the dancing scene too. I think that's oh, just yeah, a magical, yeah. you know, another an, an actual you know that's that's the floor of the Beverly Hills High gym. Yeah, which really does that. There is, Ven- a pool is it the Venice there. High School or is it Beverly Hills? I think it's Beverly Hills. Okay, okay, yeah. nice. And it's funny because then you know the Marlo Thomas did a made-for-TV remake of it in the seventies where she was the George Bailey character. Oh God, there's a lot it's... going on in that movie, but well, they they yeah. shot it in the same place so they could do the thing again. The old switcheroo. Yeah. And uh, of course, Lionel Barrymore. He's the classic when you yeah. think of a Christmas villain. Oh, yeah. mm. How many Mr. Potters? And a Happy New Year in jail. (laughs) (laughs) He had been, he did a a radio version of Scrooge every year that had Uh become really popular, and that was sort of why he got cast in that role. He's perfect. I can't imagine. That, it's like the, what you're saying with the Lubitsch, that the ensemble of that movie, like the he populates that town with so many great faces, with like Thomas Mitchell and Beulah yeah. Bondi, and like you know, and so many of those are become like, you know, the sort of fabric of American movies of that era. So like that that whole small town just kind of feels like it is populated yeah. with all these people that we know because we know we've seen them so many times before. I also like the idea too Frank Capra would always have like, you know, uh Mr. Macaroni. Oh, and you know, always like yeah, Martini. Yeah, Mr. Martini. But yeah, it's like I'm a broader stereotype. Uh, hey. <laughs> you know, getting the housing for the 
This is holy. You know, we are learning. I remember when I was a kid, like, it just seems so scary, this <laughs> idea that you you could lose your house and <laughs> what, this own bank. And then in a weird way, this this happened. Yeah, I know. The, the, so this much actually of, happened. So, yeah. much, we're, we're, so much of history repeats itself in so many of Capra yeah. movies, like, like me, John Doe. Uh, when I was doing the book, like you have this whole thing where, like, there's this 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 grassroots movement of people, and they're just sort of like looking out for their neighbors and taking care of each other. And then Edward Arnold sweeps in as this like awful business guy who wants yeah. to like take it over and use it for for nefarious purposes. And when I when I saw that movie, it was when like. The Koch brothers were coming in and creating all those like fake town hall things for people yeah. to, to fight against the Affordable Care Act, and I was like, "Ah, it's all happening again!" <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh God, it's hard. Well, it's good to have Christmas movies this time of year because you know we certainly need. Absolutely. Do you think it's becoming hard? You know, again, it 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 it's hard to reinvent the Christmas film when things are. What is left? What do you think is left? Good question. I don't know. I mean, I, I think one of the things that we've been seeing in the last few years is that because Hallmark and Lifetime have really taken over so much of the space, that movies that open theatrically kind of have to figure out, well, what can we do that's different? Right. And so you've been seeing more like movies with all or mostly black casts because mm -hmm. those aren't happening so much on Lifetime. You're seeing like the R-rated Christmas movies, whether they're horror right. movies or comedies, because it's like, well, this is you're not going to get this on TV. We can push the, mm -hmm. the boundaries a little more. So I I think there's always a response to like, well, you, you're already getting this. Let's try this, you know. Right. And so I think it, 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 it's um, it, it's a flexible enough genre that yeah. you know it, there's an infinite number of ways to to go about it. I feel like that the 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 one thing you could you could try again is the plane the road trip movie like planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Because that is, I think that's still really relatable. Like that day that you put down your work, yes, gear. And, you know, you get on the flight or whatever mm -hmm. and you go home and there's just that. And it's winter. So, like, in certain parts of the country, like, the roads are going to be messed up. Or, right. You know, your engine's not going to deal with the cold. Well, like, yeah, you're right. There's there's a lot of uh, it, 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 it. Half of it writes itself in terms of just the time and place. Have there you know? been any just specifically gay Christmas films? Um, well, interestingly, there's one this year that uh, it, it's streaming. It's called Season of Love mm -hmm. that they're really kind of aiming at the sort of Hallmark, mar Hallmark oh my God, market. I, 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 a totally gay Hallmark movie. It's lesbian. It's a, it's a three <laughs> lesbian couples, but it's otherwise very much in the kind of Hallmark tradition. I even sort of jokingly you know, I, I told the filmmaker, I said, I noticed you included the empty coffee cups. <laughs> 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 Every time, like someone's like, "Oh, hey, I brought coffee." Those, those the, the, the cardboard cup with the plastic lid, and you know there's nothing in it because it's <laughs> yeah. waving around like crazy. But anyway, season of love, it's very charming. Uh, I want there to be more of them. I, I think that's a niche that's waiting yes. to be occupied. Uh, there have been a few attempts over the years of a movie called Make the Yuletide Gay and um, the comedy that I like a lot called Breakfast with Scott. But yeah, I, uh -huh. I think it's we're really waiting for like good. a really good one. Kind of yeah. Rent, right? Rent, I mean, it is a Christmas movie and it is gay inclusive, but, you know, I think we're stretching it. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I think entirely gay families with their kids oh, yeah. would be Just a funny... Think, think of the sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> Just the whole... 
I think that would be funny. I, yeah. That would be. I mean, I would laugh. Anyway. You know, I think I think you could do a Christmas in Connecticut with like, yes. you know, one Let's of the. Let's do it. We're writing. We're like, it right we're now. like, the, where it's like one of the queer eye guys who's supposed to be like good at cooking or whatever, and it turns out he's been faking it all along. You I know? think that would be. You know, it's that's a great pitch. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, don't. It's our idea. So, yeah, no one we're, take we're it. Copyright. Yes. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Getting us in the spirit. Now I'm excited. You mentioned so many good movies to see well I, you know I, I hope that when people pick up the book they like they have a they have a, a, a highlighter and, and they you know get it on it's Amazon like it, it, you know it, it sends you to chase down some some movies you haven't seen before so it thank does you. there's certainly me. a bunch um, well thank you thank you so much yes we had Alonzo Duralde on of course Alonzo you have a couple podcasts Linoleum Knife yes. which you do with your husband and then you're doing a podcast over Maximum Fun Who Shot You right the, Who Shot You right it's Ify Nwadiwe you and Drea Clark yes and Drea Clark and what else? What else can we find you? Uh, and then Breakfast All Day, which is, uh, I used to do a show on, on TYT called uh, What the Flick, and then uh, they got rid of all their non-political shows. So uh, Christy Lemire and Matt Atchity and our mutual friend Ben Mankowitz ben? and I decided to like keep the band together. So now Aww. we're doing Breakfast All Day. It's a it's a podcast, and you can catch us on YouTube. Oh, and speaking cool. of podcast, guys, it would mean a lot if you guys could hop on iTunes and give us the, well, Apple Podcasts now is what we're yes. officially supposed to call it. But give us yes. those five stars. It really means a lot. Five Yes, people. I've been seeing. All five. All five. I've been seeing more reviews come in, and it really means a lot. And when we see reviews we love, we do read them on air. So keep bringing those. And, of course, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel here at the Popcorn Talk. And exciting show next week, Ileana. Yes. uh, Our friend Larry Karaszewski. We're going to be going to him live and uh, talking about Dolomite, which is uh, one of my favorite films of the year. Definitely. God, I love that film so much. I'm so happy for him. So we're going to be talking to him next week. Then we're going to be uh, home watching Christmas movies for the rest (laughs) of the time. But anyway, thank you again, everyone, so much for uh, listening in. And we enjoy all of your comments. As we always end the show, everyone's life is like a movie with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Today was a Christmas movie. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. So long. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.